Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is my co-host who needs to sit down, relax, and enjoy the view. Larry Brenner, how are you, Larry? I am very nervous, Andy, and I'm gonna. I'm, why are you nervous? I'm gonna tell you why. Because <laughs> a couple of years ago, not a couple of years ago, last year maybe, uh, we did the Rescuers, and yeah, we did. And you and I have very different opinions on those two movies. And I, I hmm. feel like while that episode is a great episode of our po- podcast, it nearly ruined our friendship. And <laughs> I, I, it's, I hesitate <laughs> to tell you that so today's movie, The Rescuers Down Under, is is not good. It's not good, Andy. <laughs> Um, well, okay. So there are redeeming parts. Well, okay. Redeeming may not, that may be too strong. There are good parts to this movie, but the parts don't make up the whole. Oh my gosh. Like it doesn't. Uh, does that, guys, is guys, that okay? she is talking trash now. This is, <laughs> oh my gosh. No, let's do this then. Okay. I feel better. <laughs> Let's do okay. it. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Keep in case you well, in case you in case you didn't notice, we're doing the rescuers down under from 1990, uh, and some key facts to kind of set the stage here to place this movie in sort of a historical context for you. Uh, the Little Mermaid was released in 1989. The rescuers down under was released on November 16th, 1990, just one year later, and it opens on the same day as Home Alone. Okay. That. That becomes really important here. So America had recently become enamored at this time with Australian culture. Uh, The Australian rock band Men at Work exported a song called Down Under. I'm sure you know it. Uh, It was originally a B-side to Columbia Records, who put that iconic single into American ears as a billboard uh, number one in 1983. Crocodile Dundee which is sort of an action-adventure love story about an Australian gentleman who comes to the United States, was released in 1986. And it brings in $386 million at the box office, which is, that's a smash yeah, in 1986. Sure. Um, probably not a coincidence, riding on the rescuers down under also commenced in 1986. So enamored with the land down under, Americans started buying everything Australian. Outback Steakhouse, there was an Australian-themed chain, which, you know, it's still around. It has little or nothing to do with Australia. was also launched in 1987 in Tampa. There's an Aussie brand of shampoos and conditioners, which I think you can still get at, like, Walmart. They are kind of a big deal and become more mainstream. They contain, well, they claim they contain, like, juice from the Australian wild peach, right? Travel agents begin to take out these huge full page, I mean, even double side ads in daily newspapers uh, to travel to Australia, travel down under. And the number of American travelers to Australia more than double, you know, to over 260,000 per year. So this becomes, Australia becomes big business. Okay. 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 So that's that's really important here. I think that's knowing that helps what I'm about to tell you. Oh Lord! I'm, I'm, please, okay. please. <laughs> but wait, there's more. 
So there are two engineers. There's Lynn Davis and Dave English, and they had just created for Disney a new proprietary computer animation technology they called CAPS, which is Computer Animation Production System. They used some of this technology for The Little Mermaid during the rainbow sequence at the end of the movie as sort of a proof of concept. It definitely worked. The Rescuers Down Under is the first 100% digital feature Disney ever produces. Okay. I mean, uh, okay. Uh, animation is breathtaking for its time. I, I can say that about yes. this movie. Yes. So according to Drew Taylor of Collider Magazine, the animation team of for The Rescuers Down Under took a two-week trip to Australia They spent some time with some um, Aboriginal tribes. It became really clear to them that Cody, the protagonist, sort of protagonist, right, should have dark skin and blonde hair. And it was particularly after they had um, this wonderful touching moment with one of the children they met on the trip, taught him magic tricks. It was really sweet. They bring it back, their ideas back to Disney Studios in storyboard form. Jeffrey Katzenberg insists, Nobody wants to see that little boy of color. That's a quote, which disappointed the animators, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And Gary Trusdale and Kirk Wise, who did um, Hunchback and Beauty and the Beast, were actually fired from the project because of their protests. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. Katzenberg also allegedly, according to this article, nixed several sequences with Bernard and Bianca, including scenes where they were dreaming in the style of traditional Aboriginal cave paintings, sort of a Fantasia kind of thing. Okay. Which was kind of a neat, getting them kind of embedded into the culture. And yeah, so that was all nixed. All right. Okay. Okay. So this movie comes out a little short. Not and yet not short enough. (laughs) At 76 minutes. It feels like eight hours. It feels very long, which is very strange. So it's released with The Prince and the Pauper, which is Mickey Mouse's take on the Mark Twain classic, which was done completely traditionally with ink and paint. So The Prince and the Pauper has a 25-minute runtime. And when that short finished, a ticking clock on the screen lasting 10 minutes appears to allow folks to hit the concession stand one last time before settling into the rescuers down under. What? This is true. So, yeah. So they were just like, you know what? Let's take 10 minutes. We're just going to fill our movie with 10 minutes of nothing so that people can go to the concession stands. Right. Andy, that's crazy. It's it's it is extremely odd, especially because I mean, oh. in this movie, you can go to the concession stand at any given point <laughs> for fifteen to twenty minutes and miss nothing. <laughs> well, those okay. ten minutes of nothing <laughs> of the ticking clock is arguably more suspenseful than. Anything that happens in the entire movie, what's going to happen when we get to zero? Is a movie going to play? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going to know. I think we know where you land on this. Uh, so as I mentioned, I could go either way. Before, I'm mixed. I came out neutral. What do you mean? <laughs> there are some things I so like and I some things I, I don't like, but you know, I'm very, I'm very balanced. <laughs> as I mentioned before, 
it opens, uh, Rescuers Down Under opens on the same day as Home Alone to a disastrous opening weekend of 3.5 million, which is a Disney disaster. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the short-lived American infatuation with Australia was getting a little stale by 1990. This is why you don't treat, you don't <laughs> chase trends. You Right. Because by the time you finish your project, the trend is over. You have to anticipate what the next trend is going to be or start the trend. You can't follow it. That's right. That's right. So while the CAPS technology that we discussed paves the way for movies like Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King, The Rescuers Down Under suffers from three things, I think. The new technology delays, because there were some hiccups in the process of doing all of it in, you know, in digitally for the first time. There's an overly involved and super critical executive producer who I don't think knows how to read the room in 1990 completely. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mac- Macaulay Culkin. This is not Macaulay who... Culkin's fault. <laughs> That's well, not fair. I mean, going, how dare he make a better movie, movie? How dare he star yeah, in a put, better movie than this? Right. If you put this movie up against, if you put Home Alone up against this movie, Home Alone beats it. And I mean, it's, you're not going to go talk to your friends about the rescuers down under. You're going to absolutely go talk to them about Home Alone again and again. And you're going to watch it again and again. I mean, you could put anything against this. And it's really, really hard for me to see how rescuers down under doesn't bomb compared to any other movie that comes out in 1990. It's. Yeah, I mean, I, I I also think that, you know, Bob Newhart's still kind of a big thing. I, love I mean, this Bob has Newhart. a cast. Bob Newhart's fantastic. He's got a TV show happening about this time. And it's a great got, TV show. Uh, it's a great TV show. If you, I mean, it's very watchable today. If you love Bob Newhart, go watch Newhart. It's great. Um, and there are other, you know, John Candy is fantastic. And a headliner at this point. Yeah. He's so it is it's really it it's just unclear to me like why this doesn't work other than it's sort of bland it's not a musical it doesn't really I don't think people really remembered the rescuers the way that we do now and taking them it just it felt like a a weird grab it it is so it is ill conceived on Every point is the problem. This is bad start to finish. I have, I mean, I I will get into it. I, I, the gloves are off. When you came, I mean, you came in hot, okay. Andy. So, so I'm just going to join you there. Uh, okay. When, when you okay. said that there are some things that are good about this, but but not many. Well, I that's mean, hot I, the for you. I think, I'm going to be hot too. Well, well, the things I like about this movie, I love Bob Newhart. I love Bob I love Newhart his performance. I love Ava Gabor. I love John Candy. Um, I love some of the opening sequences. I love George C. Scott. Sure. I think his performance is great. Not to take away from any of the actors' performances. This is not a performance issue. This is a head-scratching script. And and I'm going to give one key fact, which I stumbled across when I uh, did a bonus episode. Uh, they were oh. going to do a Rescuers TV series where every week Bernard and Bianca went to oh. to like save a kid from trouble. But Mm -hmm. they were working on the Rescuers Down Under at the same time. So the people in Disney TV were like, we want to do a Rescuers TV series. And the word that they got from on top was, you can't use the Rescuers characters because we're using them in this movie. Uh, 
And so they're like, it would have oh. been far superior. And, it would have been far superior and so, to this. And, well, but get this. That's why we have Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Because, Interesting. because Bernard and Bianca were unavailable, they cast Chip and Dale. That series makes so much more sense as a rescuers series. It, it's not a it's not a perfect fit for what Chip and Dale had been doing up until that point. And and I suspect right. the reason Monterey Jack has an Australian accent has something to do with this. Oh, how interesting. But what's crazy to me is the thing that I'm connecting here is um, this this idea that, you uh, know, in, in a world in which Disney today would never say this, we can't have a TV project and a movie project with the same characters in it. We live in a world now where that that is so obviously a mistake. Of course you right. want to have your TV. You want to use the movie to launch the TV series or use Absolutely. the TV. I mean, that was what Walt did all the time. He was sure. always using one media to push to the other media. The idea... Look at Zorro. Look at look at Davy Crockett. I mean, that, that's kind of in Disney DNA, right? Right. You know, he was always thinking, use one media to push the other media. But apparently in the late 80s, early 90s, it was like you know, TV and movies in Disney were, were fighting with each other over who gets to use what character. So weird. It is weird. So, so weird. All right. Well, let's jump into this guy. Okay, so, uh, oh boy, okay, I'm going to relive some stuff I'll help here. out. <laughs> so, Rescuers Down Under, we begin uh, with the Monish Tana, uh, in which uh, Graydon, my youngest, turned to me and said, hey, uh, is this a bug's life? Because we start in Australia, in the Outback, watching some bugs do bug things. Mm -hmm. We then zoom up and we see that we're in some sort of grassy field. And then the camera travels for a very, very, very long time over that grassy field to mm -hmm. a house. And when we get to the and, and it takes forever to get there. And then we get to the house, and in that house we meet Cody, who is a who's a young boy trying to sneak out of the house because he doesn't want to eat breakfast there. I guess I'm not sure why he's sneaking out because once he gets well, he hears the did he hears the didgeridoo from yes across he the hears a thing. didgeridoo, That's although it's not a didgeridoo, but we it sounds like a didgeridoo for for sure. Disney wants us to think it is, right? Sure. That's that's why you go to Australia for two weeks. That's the kind of research you get there. Um <laughs> so so he's like, I gotta go. And so he's he's going, and then he goes, and there's a oh gosh, there's a kangaroo, and the kangaroo says there's an eagle in trouble, so sends Cody up to the mountain to rescue to rescue the eagle. When Cody rescues the eagle, the eagle is scared of Cody, knocks Cody off like a ginormous cliff to what will almost certainly be Cody's death. But then the eagle catches Cody and we go flying with Cody. And then 
Cody sees the eggs and then I'm and then and then and then and then Andy it just goes mm-hmm. on and on yeah. and on like that I'm going to have to yeah. I'm going to have to stop at some point but I feel like this is a very long monish tana which ultimately gets us all Nowhere. I mean I mean very slowly this opening I, I don't even know what to say about this should I stop here? Well, is that I mean, is that enough of the yeah. Because it keeps going. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we could stop there. I I think it's supposed to wow us with the vastness of the Australian outback. I also think they're kind of showing off their toys a little bit visually. In it's the animation gorgeous. visually yes. gorgeous. I agree with you. The flight, the birds coming at you while you're flying. I mean, it is it's a stunner. Uh, and especially for that time period, we haven't seen that kind of flight animated in that way before. Uh, this movie is about flight. There's a lot of flying in this movie, uh, which is kind of odd because, again, it's about mice. There, res- it's about mice. Not yeah. known for so, flying. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of awesome though, in the sense that you have. You know, Cody, Cody's life is kind of small, right? And Bernard and Bianca's life is kind of small. I just, I think there's some missed opportunity there. There's a lot. And I also, watching Cody as a, it's what's head scratching for our family watching this was, why is he an American? Is he an American? Why is His he, mom is Australian. He, he, he does. Yes, mom is. He does not have an Australian accent. He doesn't. He does. It doesn't fit. It's very that, strange. I mean, I would I would argue that that probably went up to Katzenberg again uh, in the same yeah. way in which he said that the child has to be Caucasian. He probably says and needs to sound like the kids in the United States. I, I mean, that would be my guess. It, it, so if you're enamored with the Australian culture. Like Paul Hogan didn't do well as Crocodile Dundee because he sounded like an American. I, I, right. He, he sounded, he was his total, like he was a caricature for sure. But like, why would you, it doesn't, it just doesn't. Well, so maybe here, maybe why, why you here wouldn't is, cast him as an Australian. Why, why would you not cast this kid as an Australian? Maybe here is the answer. You start working on this project because, because, America is in love with Australia and yet mm-hmm. you're doing this project. And then midway through the project, America falls out of love with Australia, but you spent a lot of money using an Australian uh, sort of property. All of the sets are there. The story is there. Uh, not getting rid of the Australian stuff is no, is impossible. And so then you start saying, eh, you know, Let's let's just use an American accent for the kid, I guess. I get McLeach being uh, an American because he has almost a Southern American accent. But I just don't I don't understand it. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and on. And again, the 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 title is The Rescuers Down Under. We are here. At least I am here to see Bernard and Bianca. Sure. With the heart tug of Penny and all of it. That's where I'm I'm ready for it. And it's just not I, not quite there. I mean, for sure, their names are on the marquee. If you I would say this movie actually probably sets up a better movie 
in which Bernard and Bianca don't come, and the kid is actually going to be our main character for most of this movie. Because And then name it something else. D- right. Name it something else and don't use the rescuers. I think maybe right. you, maybe you've got something better. This, do- this movie doesn't become better for bringing the rescuers into it. Um, and Co- and Cody seems perfectly capable of rescuing himself. It does. At a couple. I mean, of look points. at the opening. Look at the opening sequence. He he he's a rescuer in that he rescues the Marahute, right? The Golden Eagle. And this is the day he does that. This is the day that there he- is this weird circle of lifeguarding happening in this movie. Co- mm-hmm. There's the eagle. Cody's job is to protect the outback. The rescuer's job are to protect Cody, who protects the outback. Um, you know what? Maybe the rescuers should just cut out Cody and protect the outback. The, the rescuers do not get into this movie when there is a poacher who is hunting down all sorts of animals. Apparently, that's not their jurisdiction. Their jurisdiction is very human child centric. That's what they do, which makes no sense for an organization that was founded when a mouse pulled a thorn from a lion. They don't need Cody to be the reason to get involved. This poacher has been a problem for some time. Why are they so Mm -hmm. human-centric, Andy? We're not that great as a species. (laughs) It is is odd. There's a lot of oddness here. I think it feels... It feels forced. It is entirely it feels forced. It feels forced as opposed to an organic sort of story. We have a, a lot of exposition. A lot. The, inci- the inciting incident, I think, and see if you agree, is when Cody is kidnapped. There's a poacher who kidnaps Cody because Cody has right. an eagle feather. And Cody is right. too stupid to just say, oh, I found this feather so-and-so. You're saying it comes from an eagle? Great. Cody doesn't lie. So Cody Cody says something along the lines of, I absolutely know where the eagle is, but I'll never tell you, you poacher. Um, You know, you have to teach your children how to lie to strangers, folks. That is an important thing they need to be able to do. Right. All right. But he's captured by a poacher. And Mm -hmm. even though we will later see this poacher has like dozens of animals in small cages. Um, That is enough for when the phone call comes in to the park rangers or whoever, the rangers, the the wardens, uh, there are mice who are always watching those rangers find out a kid is there. They get on the computer and they send a relay around the world to New York which is where, as we've established, Mouse UN is. Mouse UN says, of course, what rescuers should we send other than Bernard and Bianca? Because, because why? Because, because remember, in the 1970s, they solved that one case with Madame Medusa, I guess. I feel like this is a large organization to just be like, yeah, but we've got two mice who are, they are, now, Bernard and Bianca, irresponsibly, are not at this meeting. Um, but like they're everybody's just like, well, we just have to wait for Bernard and Bianca to get here to see if they want to go on this mission. Yeah. Bernard is about to propose to Bianca, uh, shenanigans. I don't, I don't have a problem with any of that, but they end up back mm-hmm. at the UN. 
Uh, Bernard thinks that Bianca's just agreed to be his wife, but really Bianca's just agreed for them to go on this mission. And now, now the mice are like, well, now let's get you to Australia. This world organization of animal rescuers feels the best thing to do is to not deploy local agents in Australia, but, but these two mice in New York, like if they're really worried Cody is in trouble, why Mm -hmm. would they be like, well, we got to send someone on an 18 hour flight to Australia. That that's urgency for you. This movie makes no sense. Even now this organization makes no sense. None of this, none of this. And then, so, okay. Uh, Andy's like rubbing her eyes. You can't see it. No. So, so I agree, I agree with you. Like, I think, I think that the fix is to have Bernard and Bianca already in Australia. The fix is either that or. And then they get a call that disrupts their honeymoon or disrupts their wedding or whatever it is that it disrupts. There's a, there's another fix to this. That would make Mm -hmm. it logical. Which is the person who's kidnapped Cody is Madame Medusa. And nobody yeah. knows Madame Medusa's uh, modus operandi the way that Bernard and Bianca do. They're experts. Right. They've fought her before. And then you they go, okay, mm-hmm. that's why we need to send Bernard and Bianca. Uh, right. That you could do that too. So mm-hmm. then we get to what is arguably the black inexorable hole of despair where not only, (laughs) not only do I recommend that you go to the concession stand, but I I also think eat your popcorn at the concession stand, get back in line, get a refill where we watch Bernard and Bianca very slowly travel to Australia. Cause you know, they got to book a flight. They got to find a bird. They got to get on the bird. Bird's got to get on a plane. The bird doesn't want to listen to them because the bird's not on the radio, dancing to the radio. They have to explain to the bird everything that we've already seen before. And, and we got to meet this bird. We got to talk to this bird. And at some point I'm like, what is happening? The bird eventually lands in Australia where we meet. Mm -hmm. An Australian rescuer, which is a, a mouse named Jake, who apparently ha- right. has been sitting on his hands doing nothing this whole time, waiting for Bernard and Bianca to go. It's not like the first 24 hours where a child goes missing are critical or anything. Yes. Okay. And he knows about the child. Sure. He even says you can't keep secrets in the bush, right? So, like, he knows this kid. Why is he not? Go- why is he not going after the child? Why not? But is yeah, yeah. Or is he a rescue? I can't figure out if he's a rescuer or if he just owns the airport. I I don't know, and ultimately, I don't really care. The point here is there are mice in Australia. Bernard and Bianca. I I know you love them, and some and some. I know and you some love of them, them cl- Andy. Well, just- some of them wear clothes and some of them don't too. The um in Australia, which is odd, but that's another thing. Well, some people anyway. don't wear clothes too, Andy. That, that was a nudist mouse you saw. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know you love Bernard and Bianca. They're really do, yeah. not that great. They would not be my first choice. Uh, if you wanted, I I said this before and I'll say it again. 
if a mouse has to come and rescue me, if it's a Disney mouse, the Mm -hmm. great mouse detective is my pick. I will be sad if it's Bernard and Bianca. I would rather have Timothy from Dumbo. There are better, there are better, more effect from a more effective perspective. I'm not saying more lovable, Mm -hmm. but from, from efficient rescuing mice than Bernard and Bianca who get busy at the airport waiting online, deciding whether or not to like, mm, should we travel first class or should we go cargo? Uh, what meal do you want? The fish or the, or the steak? I don't care. I don't care about any of that. But then for some reason, when the bird gets down, the bird is injured, pulls a muscle and the next 15 minutes are a medical procedural in which the, we follow the bird that traveled them there in the hospital getting treatment for a bad right. back. Andy. I mean it almost why? it almost feels like it almost feels like there's TV shows being put together in the same but it's not done well. It yeah, and again, if you take out if you have key scenes with Bernard and Bianca and you take them out and then you have to go back to the drawing board and stretch other scenes, like, would you rather have the fish or the whatever you have to stretch some of those and you have to, you know, this, it just feels like a hot mess. Cause it is a mess. We, we have a subplot in which there's like a little bit of a love triangle because Jake right? is clearly attracted to Bianca and Jake is a mouse's mouse. You know, he is right. that crocodile Dundee sort of like hero protagonist. Mm-hmm. He has the ingredients where you would look at him and say, this is our leading man. As opposed, guy, as opposed right. to Bernard, who is our leading man. But we know that like that is a ro- against type casting uh, for him in right. this one. Uh, lots of stuff happened. Eventually, they find Cody, and when they find Cody, Cody seems to like be es- have escaped, but it's actually a trick so that the bad guy can follow Cody to the eagle eggs to get the eagle, uh, which he does. Uh, in the process, Bianca, Jake, and Cody are captured again, and now we get to uh, towards our climax. Can Bernard alone? rescue bianca cody the eagle jake etc and yeah uh that's 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 where our climax is would you agree yes i mean mccleach crashes to his death bernard saves cody and bianca and yeah i think that's the climax and then i think in the following action we have bernard finally after what three tries asking for Bianca's hand in marriage. And of course she accepts and, and they fly home. But in case, in case you were worried, what we were really concerned about, we get an end credit on, uh, Wilbur, the bird, uh, who has been sitting on the Eagle's eggs in, in loco parentis. Um, and it's like, Hey, you can't leave without me. Uh, but they did leave without him. The eggs hatch underneath Mm. him. And uh, and that is apparently where what we've all been waiting to see this whole movie. We don't even leave with Bernard and Bianca leave the movie, but we have to stay in the theater for another five minutes. (laughs) Everybody else is wrapped and we're still there. This movie is in 
interminably long. Inter- and it's seven and it's only 76 minutes. So I have a couple of questions for you, Larry. Yes. Um, music. The, there is a score uh, for this and it's a good score. Uh, but the original rescuers was a musical. Does this choice impact the movie? See, and I wouldn't have said the original rescuers was a musical. It was, it had music. Um, mm-hmm. it, but like the only song I can remember is R E S C U V rescue society. And I don't know the rest of the words right. of that song. And that song's not great. It's okay. Um, I love that song. It's it is okay. Don't, don't yuck my yum, Larry. Okay, okay. So, um, so it is the best I'm song kidding. in the Rescuers of movie. all time. Yes, there you go. There it I is. Can say that. So, but but they're singing. Um, you know, there's there's somebody singing over it. If you're um, going the, to the, do tedious stuff, like be at an airport, do I think that you should? Instead, do a montage and make a song that's fun to to get us through that. I do. Yes. But I also don't think you should do a tedious sequence where we're going to the airport. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, for a movie that's marketed as an action adventure film, the studio decided that a musical format slowed the pacing. (laughs) My thing is, if it's an action adventure film, then show some action and adventure. Going to the airport is not an like. Like, we know, you can cut to, we know they did this. The problem, right? uh, oh, the studio was very conscious of pacing, were they? That that was something that was foremost in their minds when they were making this movie, right. is the pacing had to be good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm mad, Andy. I'm mad. Sorry. I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not mad at you. This could be a lot better. I'm not mad at you. But let's talk about, well, let's talk about pacing. What, uh, how do we fix it? How do you fix it? You show the things you need to show for there to be a story, and you cut the things that don't need to be in the story. I said this about the originals Rescuers movie, and I stand by it there, Mm -hmm. but even more so here. The movie is in Australia. We know this. The Rescuers down under. The store, the play, it doesn't matter if that flight is. 18 minutes, 18 hours, 18 years, 18 centuries. We the, the story will not start until they get to Australia. So get all you need is one shot of them getting on the bird and then another shot of them landing. I don't need to watch them go through customs. I don't need to watch them charter the flight. I don't need to see in the negotiations. Just get but do them you need to, to see- Australia. Done. But do you need to see that? Do you need to see the telegraph going from? <laughs> no, things. Ha- you, in a you're movie. not. A, you're not a fan of the of the. You're not a fan of the uh, hot pink arrow. Things in a movie to need to happen at the speed of plot. So, like when people watch Star Wars movies and they start saying, like, you know, how fast did the Millennium Falcon go that it suddenly arrived at this particular time? None of that matters. It arrives when the story requires it to arrive. And it right. like imagine watching Star Wars and there's a 20 minute sequence of like Han Solo, like, you know, all right, I'm going to make a Yui here. Uh, all right, we're going around. All right, it's going to take 10 minutes. Chewie, you got any songs you want me to play? Any like Wookiee Life Day music? All right. And they sit right, there right, and right. they adjust. I don't need any of that. Han Solo arrives when he needs to arrive. Bernard and Bianca 
We travel the whole way with them, but the story can't start till they get to Australia. Yeah, yeah. And the the problem is they don't have enough story to tell a story. And the solution is you write a story that that requires things to happen. You don't go like, we've got five minutes of story. How do we pad it out to 76 minutes? Pad it out to 76 minutes. Write a better story. So, I mean, ideas that I, I agree, ideas that I had, like Cody could be a little more helpless. Mom could be somebody who acts helpless and the mice could see her. And, you know, there's a whole lot that could be done here. There's a million I feel things. Like we, Cody could be lost like we, in the Australian outback, pursued by the hunter. The, and then we're right. following him. We're going to set pieces in Australia. He's having interactions yeah. with, there's a snake. Oh, no. There's, um, you know, like, there's like, oh, I don't know enough about Australia. There's there's a and herd of kangaroo, kangaroo and Cody gets in the couch and it's really disgusting. Right. But I, I don't I don't really I don't really care. You can write the, the, the bottom line is this is not about fixing a story. This is about writing one. You mm-hmm. have yeah. to write a story. I just had this feeling that there was a story based on just the research that there was a story and then this gets yanked and this gets yanked and this gets yanked. And it is sort of this Swiss cheese thing that's left. Sure. You know, and they're depending on things like score and animation to, to keep everyone's attention. I I am sure this was no one's plan. Look, Bernard and Bianca don't even meet Cody until minute 56. They have no relationship with Cody, just like they had no relationship None. with Penny. But but they meet Penny earlier. <laughs> they, they do meet Penny earlier. That's that yeah. is. I mean, there's true. more there's more scheming between Penny and Bernard and Bianca. There's more care. There's more everything. It's it, it is tough. What's interesting to me as well is that the movie critics they they give they like this movie why they yeah yeah i mean 3 out of 4 stars for both Siskel and Ebert what uh Ebert had a concern about uh one of the i guess Percival McLeach having darker skin what uh, and being a villain yeah that was his only main concern that's crazy. This movie. So I wonder if they were really, if people were just really enamored by the, how by the, how, by the animation and didn't really pay attention to the story because it is, but this is kind of for today's fair. This is kind of what our normal cartoon looks like now. I, I can still, even watching this by today's fair, I was surprised at how well animated this movie was. And mm-hmm. when I watched the first opening sequence of this where he's flying, even though I had story problems with it, even though I had story right. problems with what was happening, I was like, you know what? We might be in for a tr- uh, a treat. And then the movie comes to a grinding halt and doesn't pick up again for another 30 minutes. Um, right. So I could see as like, if you're treating this as like the visual innovation of it, fine. Mm -hmm. 
fine. Then then you could say this was a success, that future Disney movies are going to build on what, what happened here. And so it's important in that context. But you can't give it three out of four stars as a movie. As a movie, it's well, and I I also think they're spending a whole lot of time with John Candy because somebody's going. Well, he brings in money to the box office, but you can't even give him a lot of screen time. Exactly, exactly. But their parents will. I mean, you you can hear this this kind of harebrained logic. It's just not. So here's the other thing I'm going to say. I understand (laughs) the appeal of celebrity casting in general. In general, I am of the opinion that animation does not require celebrity casting, that there are many talented voiceover artists who should be used because they're amazingly talented as well. And maybe they understand Mm -hmm. the art of being, uh, but fine. I understand the idea of, I want Bob Newhart. I want Robin Williams. I want, but here's the thing. When we're doing Aladdin and we've got Robin Williams, the way that they make the most of it is by letting Robin Williams do his Robin Williams stuff. Right. If I got a Rescuers movie that felt like it was written by Bob Newhart and John Candy, where they were doing mm-hmm. the comic things that they're really great at. Right. Um, that would be amazing. This is just, we have their voices and we're writing jokes and material for them that are not as good as the material they themselves can create. Well, apparently, I don't know about Newhart, but apparently John Candy, a lot of his stuff, you know, you know, like, hey, would you like a drink? Like, that kind of thing is his, that's all him. So, I don't know uh, if... Well, then maybe that's just... Yeah. Okay. But but more Bob Newhart, please. Bob Newhart? Yes. Bob yes. Newhart is just so funny. He's... And Bernard is so great at, you know, the stammering and the looking at his shoes and the, you know, the, the other part of this is that Bernard had an arc. Uh, we can talk about these characters now, but Bernard had an arc in the first movie. He went from janitor to rescuer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in this movie, he's already a rescuer. Uh, so it, it makes his arc has to be different, um, I think. Like, Or it has to be, you know, maybe he's he's a reluctant hero with maybe the dramatic question being, well, he did it before, but can he do it again? All right, so, you know, like side, I don't know. side note on this. Yes. I, I am imagining and chuckling to myself of this idea that like at a certain point, Bianca asks Bernard to do something and like, like, Oh, Bernard dear, can you go and get my, my luggage? It fell off the bird. And Bernard looks and like, it is like across the way in the swamp. There is a snake in that swamp. There's a crocodile mm-hmm. in that swamp. There's a there's a raging inferno of fire not far from the suitcase. And I'm imagining Bernard looking at it, giving like a quick right. little look to the camera. His his nose twitching a little bit, and him turning to her uh, uh, and um, uh, the suitcase. Um, what what what's in the suit? case and she's like oh darling my makeup's in the suitcase but a lady can't go anyway and he goes oh, lady can't go. and then and then like <laughs> you can see he doesn't want to do it and then he does it that's bob newhart right. why isn't stuff right. like that in this movie yeah yeah i hear you but you're right it's- bernard's arc he met his character arc in the first movie so you got to raise the stakes and the question uh 
his arc in this one really seems to be dependent on will Bianca say yes? That's not about him, really. He's not trying to convince no. her to say yes. He's not trying to. So if we had Bernard looking at Jake and suddenly trying to outdo Jake, which Bernard doesn't mm-hmm. do. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm, and starts to, like, we go the opposite direction with him. He's overcompensating because Jake is there. But the more he mm-hmm. overcompensates, the less Bianca likes it. Mm-hmm. That would be something. That would be like, Bernard, you know, in the first movie, I wanted you to realize you were a hero because you thought you weren't. Now you're trying too hard to be a hero. Go back to being yourself. That would be the right take. That would be a better movie. Yep, yep, yep. Or he tries to match Jake or be Jake yeah, or whatever. And again, it. yeah. And again, I feel like there's a scene missing where he does that. I feel like there's, it again, it's the Swiss cheese thing. And I and I don't know what the morale is like either. Because in the studio? In the studio. I know I what my morale like, was like in the audience. It was low. <laughs> Well, I mean, but but I pay attention to that. I pay attention to that energy because when you have a group of people who really love what they're doing and they're cohesive and you have someone at the helm, a producer, who is bringing out the very best of these people's work, they will work harder. They will dig deeper. They will care more, right? And I feel like at some place in this movie, probably about the midway point, People kind of quit caring. I think they cared a whole lot about that opening scene. Yeah. You can see it with Cody. You can see the tear coming out of Cody's eye as he's about to crash to his death. His eyes change color. I mean, there, there are things that happen that are so subtle and interesting and beautiful and stunning. But they kind of quit caring about story at some point. And I don't know. It's like and they just it's said, almost let's like, well, get yeah. this movie done and put it to bed. So yeah, yeah. And they June, and they work finish it, and they work so hard, and it goes out to please everybody, and it goes out the door, and then you know they get the the news that it bombs, and Katzenberg pulls all the advertising. I mean, I can't. That's a movie, right? <laughs> I mean, there there's an interesting the movie about just go under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Was that the name of the movie? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you you feel it though. You just feel like they're like, oh, you just don't want them to do much. Okay, well, let's ask for you know, let's let the rescuers not do much. You know who also anyway. doesn't get to do much? Who's Bianca that? does nothing. Yes, nothing. This whole movie. She does nothing but look pretty, and she is the driving force of the rescuers when it comes to rescuing Penny in the first movie. For sure. In yes, the second in the movie, first she movie, takes yes. a back seat, and she's literally she on nothing. the journey, but contributes nothing the entire time. She does nothing. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, there's no uh, art it's for her. Upsetting. Uh, nope. I, I would, you know, another way to do this movie would be that this mm-hmm. movie is about Bianca trying to propose to Bernard, and he keeps missing it. Right. Very fun. Yes. Again, zig where it should zag, right? He can't I mean, I, imagine that's yes, what she's yes. trying to say to him yeah. because he yeah. has never believed himself to be worthy of her. So that she's constantly flirting with him and he's always, he wants it, but he always misses it and never gets mm-hmm. it. That would be good. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. 
Cody. Cody. Again. Um, Cody is guileless. Uh, Cody does not have... I mean, he's cute. He's a cute little boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reminds me of, yep. of Wart from um, Sword in the Stone. Yeah. yeah. A younger Wart. He has Wart-like. Yep, yep. Um, he's not particularly interesting, though. He's cute, but he's not mm-hmm. interesting. And he's dumb, because he just keeps telling... Like, when you are kidnapped by a poacher, and the poacher is like, well, little boy, I'm definitely not a poacher. I'll go home to your mother. And you go to him, you are a poacher, and I'm going to tell the police exactly where you are. You're a moron, mm-hmm. little boy. You can, you don't have to volunteer that. That's not honesty. And he does that. There's a number of times where Cody, if Cody just kept his mouth shut, he would have been, been fine. 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 Which is maybe why maybe why he needs a rescuer. I don't know. I mean, maybe that was the point in thinking. I'm, again, I try to get in the head of like, why were they? Why did was this choice made? Why is Cody? Well, he's just he's so impulsive and he's so whatever, and he just needs someone to rescue him. Why is him and Cody insert the, the protector of the outback? Why did the kangaroo? Why does the kangaroo know to summon Cody? To rescue the eagle. as a great question that's not answered with any form of explanation. My answer would be, and, and this is a more sophisticated rescuers, there are children in the world who can talk to animals. Penny was mm-hmm. one. Cody is one. And I would have the rescuers be like, these specific children have a specific purpose, and we need to keep them safe. And that mm-hmm. would that would be better for these movies it'd answer a lot of questions wouldn't it um and yeah. so like we see that like cody is like there there are just certain children who've been chosen by destiny i also you know in our original rescuers thing i said maybe madame medusa used to be one of those children but became corrupted there there's a right. story to be had in that but we never really get a satisfying answer for why cody can speak to all these animals and nobody else can. Cody also seems a little too old for me. Like Penny seemed like what was she seven? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cody should be younger. And I, as beautiful as that opening sequence is, it paints Cody as somebody who can. I mean, if you can stand on the back of an eagle as it flies through the air, you're pretty. You're pretty fearless. I'm not sure you need somebody to come 18 hours to come get you. The other problem with Cody is from the start, he's doing things we don't want children to do. When we see Penny for the first time, she has already been abducted and she's trying to escape her kidnappers. When she's with them, she's, she's, she's trying to resist them. But like, there's nothing that Penny does in this movie that we can't get behind in the original movie. Cody, right. from the beginning, when he goes up to the cliff and is almost knocked to his death by an eagle, I'm like, did You're we like, just oh my teach God. my children not to save animals? I think we did. I think we did teach yeah. them that. I, it's it's weird. Um, There's a lot of weird. There's a lot of weird. Percival McLeach, uh, the George C. Scott character. I mean, talk about your bottom tier Disney villain. Um, you know how I said that Madame Medusa was a dollar store Cruella de Vil? Mm-hmm. Uh, McLeish 
is a dollar store version of two Disney villains we haven't even met yet. Uh, he is nowhere near as interesting as two other hunters, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. or Clayton from Tarzan. And I know I'm comparing it, him to future characters. Uh, right. But like his, I mean, he he is like neck and neck with Edgar from the Aristocats for me uh, in terms of like, I, I, I'm not who I think is awful, but anyway, well, he's yeah, but, awful, but like not interesting. He, but he doesn't have a reason. I don't know that a reason. He doesn't have a good reason for being a poacher outside of money. Surely there are other things that you can do. Yeah. And like, would you really kidnap a kid if you were a poacher? I mean, that wasn't his plan. He was originally going to let the kid go, but then the kid had the eagle feather and he wanted the, but, but, but remember how Madame Medusa, there was like this little bit in that movie where she's like, if you have the devil's eye diamond or whatever, whatever that diamond was, Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. just money, it's power. Let's do that. Let's have McLeish be like, there's some, if you, you know, you kill one of these eagles, you know, there's something yeah, like there's something that he transforms wants it because it's gonna make Yeah, he's gonna make a lot of money and that doesn't like he can make more money. It just seems like too much he's going to too much trouble for not enough return. <laughs> it does that make sense? I, I mean, yeah. It it totally it totally makes sense. Now are the the other thing about him is once again in these movies, whose enemy is McLeish? Who is he the foil for? Who is the the opposite mm. of? He's Cody's enemy. Cody protects the Outback. McLeish hunts the Outback, right? Yeah. McLeish would be a good yeah. Tarzan villain, uh, but he's not the rescuer's enemy. The rescuer's don't yeah. Be, the rescuer's enemy, I guess, would be uh, the 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 salamander, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Medusa and Snoops need to be the. It would be better. The, it would. The it would here. make more sense. But also, this time, Medusa could be like had, could have developed something about mice, where where she's now clued into the fact that she was yes, defeated yes. by mice last time, and so maybe ever, mm-hmm. she's become more crazy over the over the mm-hmm. last 10 years and or 20 years or however many years it's been 21 years let's right. say 21 years and so now every time she sees a mouse she has a violent overreaction she hates mises to pieces now andy um right, right, and right. and when she sees bernard and bianca her eyes should go wide and she could she should go you i always right. knew you'd be back let let's do this movie yep. needs Medusa yep. back. It needs her back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trapped. Maybe she's traveling to. Maybe she's been traveling to Australia because there's another diamond. There are crocodiles. We know she yeah, likes crocodiles. She yep, could be yep. McLeish's sister, right? Yep. Or or yep. could, look or we or what a reveal that would be. McLeish is like. I've got to get that eagle from my lady friend sort of thing. And then like, like, and then suddenly walks in, it's Medusa. Yep. 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 That's good. That's good. All right. Jake, Tristan Rogers. He's, 
I think Bernard's kind of foil, right? I mean, he's leading man material. I could see it. I could see a movie in which this was just about Jake and Cody. And that's all, you know, the thing about it is you can call it the rescuers down under and not use Bernard and Bianca because the rescuers are a large organization and we could focus on some new Australian based rescuers. And it could, it could just be Jake. And you could even have, you could have, yeah. Or you could have a, female rescuer who you could have a female version of Bianca who's in who's also Australian. I mean, like, there are lots of possibilities here. I don't feel like the, the, um, no, the creative canvas. It just didn't get plumbed close enough. Yeah. Um, the Marahute doesn't talk, but I think as a character, it is. And it, why doesn't the Marahute talk? That is another great co- question that I've had. Um, you know, Red and Frank and Krebs all talk. The, you know, Percival's salamander. Joanna. Joanna talks, right? But not this. This is the only animal that doesn't talk. It's, it's odd to me. It, it is odd. A powerful presence in the film. And I think it's better mm-hmm. for not talking. But still, like, yes. you can't get away from the fact that other birds talk. Wilbur talks. Mm-hmm. You know, so why doesn't this bird? I don't know. We haven't we haven't really talked about protagonist problems, but I think this movie suffers from that as well. Um, we don't follow someone's point of view all the way through. Uh, um, you and you just have to pick somebody. You could, if you want to do a movie about Cody, do a movie about Cody. If you want to do a movie about Jake rescuing them, do that. If it's about Bernard and Bianca, do that. Make it about. Yeah. If you what you really if it's, if it's about, think the movie is about is Wilbur the bird and his medical misadventure, and you want to do something about that, then do General Mousepital. Yeah. General Mousepital, <laughs> where, where where every week we watch mouse doctor professionals dealing with like these crazy patients. Do that. But you have to pick one and make it mm-hmm. their movie. And this movie tries to be like, well, we like all of these characters. And the answer is, if you, you are... The work you need to do to get me invested in a half dozen characters as the protagonist is so much more than selling me on one. You have to sell me on Mm -hmm. each of those individually. Otherwise, you get 20-minute sequences where I don't care. But if you love all these movies or all of these characters, that's fine. Just make it a road movie where Bernard and Bianca meet these along the way to their destination. You could do a Wizard of Oz with it. Sure, sure, sure. You, You could. Uh, but they're co- yeah. they're constantly separating them to bring them back together, and and they just look. If Wilbur goes to the hospital, we don't need to see what happened to him in the hospital. Again, pacing things happen at the speed of plot. He'll get out of the hospital yeah. when the story requires him to get out of the hospital. We don't need mm-hmm. to see it. Just like we don't need it's- to see the Joker break out of Arkham Asylum fifteen times. It's just what the Joker does when the sto- uh, when a Batman story requires the Joker to be loose. It just happens. We don't need to see it. Okay, so the verdict for me is this movie has a lot of great components. Um, it needs structure. It needs a clear protagonist. And it needs um, a story. <laughs> I, I mean, the verdict for a me stronger is... Story. This movie, stronger story. Stronger stakes. This movie is best viewed with the sound off in the background uh, of while you're cleaning the room 
Uh, and occasionally you just want to see something visually entertaining. It is not a movie. It is not a story. It is not compelling. And it is terrible. And I will never, <laughs> never watch it again. Unless I have grandchildren that force me to. Yeah. that 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 is probably the only thing that could make me do it. And my kids really like this movie growing up because, again, Bernard and Bianca were in it. But I would notice, even as we watched it this time, everybody kind of looked at their phones or did whatever. And then Bernard and Bianca would come on and they'd pay attention again. Graydon enjoyed this movie because he enjoyed watching me yell at the screen, just go to Australia. (laughs) Get out of the hospital. (laughs) I was just yelling at it. I got it. I got it. I understand what you're doing here. Move it along. Yeah, well, you don't have to spend 15 minutes convincing me you're in a hospital or in Australia. Or just show us in Australia. We'll believe you. I promise. Well, okay, so the since we don't want to pitch this material, I think because, you know, I, I value our health. Um, how about playing our GLAD game? Okay, so the Glad Game, listeners, is something that we've done since we've watched Pollyanna, which is when Pollyanna is very unhappy, she plays the Glad Game, and she thinks about something that makes her happy, uh, about even the darkest situation. So, mm-hmm. so you know, when it's raining, Pollyanna is glad because the flowers will bloom later. Uh, Andy, what about the rescuers down under makes you glad? I am glad that Bianca Bernard finally finds his courage to ask Bianca to marry him. And she enthusiastically accepts to his possible surprise. I like that. Okay. All right. I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel here because I have a lot of, because the game as played, you should not be snarky. Right. So if I say, right. I'm glad they left Wilbur behind in the outback and we'll never have to see him again. I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Correct. So, all right. I will say this. I am glad that when Bernard proposes to Bianca and she accepts Jake, who is also attracted to Bianca, is happy for them. And smiles and says, well done to Bernard, because that is what real men do when when the person who they are attracted to finds happiness to someone else. You congratulate them, you are That's happy right. for them, and you get right. out of the way. So I am glad that Jake has this emotional maturity to move on. And you know what? That will make him more attractive to like, like than mm-hmm. than if he was like, and he like threw his hat and stomped on it Yosemite Sam style. Right. So I am glad for some positive masculinity in a terrible, terrible movie that I love. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's over. Are you okay? I'm not, but but we, uh, we can deal with that off the podcast. I'll be better by by next week. Well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page 
or drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com. You know, maybe you love the rescuers down under and you just have a bone to pick with us. Please let us know. Yeah. We'd love to hear your I'm thoughts. ready to fight you. We'd... <laughs> so until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon.